So what do you think of when you think of the church? Uh, there's probably a range of things you might think of. I know for some of you, you might think of something like this picture from The Simpsons. Um, you think of people dressed clearly in clothes that don't fit them and are uncomfortable, and someone from up front talking for a long time in a monotone, right? For you, that's what you think of when you think of church. For some people, um, it's more like this. It is a production, right? Your experience of church is lights and spotlights. Uh, I mean, a killer backdrop doesn't help. That always helps, I should say. Um, for you, that, that's maybe the most popular way of, of thinking about church. Um, for some of you, maybe it's more personal experience, and it's a good experience. You think, when you think of church, you think of a trusted Sunday school teacher. You maybe think of a kids program that you were able to participate in. Um, for others of you, church is, was a more negative memory. Uh, maybe it was uh, an abuse of power that you saw. Maybe it was rampant, unrepentant hypocrisy that you experienced. There's a whole range of things we can think about when we think of the church. And really what I want to do this morning is maybe reestablish what it is to say we are the church, what the church is, uh, by way of reminder, um, but also maybe a a kind of north star for us uh, to say, hey, as we think of who we are as a church and who we want to be and where we're going, here's where it is. Here's where we're going. Because however you think about the church or whatever your experience of church we should always understand and recognize that the Bible has a very high view of the church, an extremely high view of the church. When the Bible talks about the church, it says this, 1 Timothy 3.15, the church is described as the household of God. This is where God lives, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Ephesians 2 talks about the church being a holy temple, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Or how about this? This is Ephesians chapter 3. It says, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There's nothing higher than God's wisdom. You want to know about the world, know about life, how to live life in this world, you need the wisdom of God. And the Bible says it's through the church that that wisdom is being made known, even to the supernatural beings around us, even to the cosmos. It's through the church that those things are going to be seen and made known. So that's, that's significant. It says something of what the church can be, should be, must be. So if that's true, let's spend some time maybe thinking about, okay, how does that happen? How can church be all those things? So in answering what is a church, what should we think about the church, I'm going to start sort of historically speaking. What, what, when do we start thinking of this idea of the church? It begins in the first century. Uh, people are believing that Jesus really is the Son of God, Lord and Savior of the world. And what happens in that first century is they're regularly coming together in homes and also in public places to affirm that, yeah, we believe this, we believe this together. They're coming together regularly and committing to living together in light of that fact. Living in light of the fact they believe this and think it matters then for how they live. And, and they want to come together and connect together as a way to, to declare that and to live that out together. And you see this like all over. So this is in Acts, Acts chapter 2, look at Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 11. This is starting in Jerusalem. And all throughout the book of Acts, people are coming together, believing in Jesus, they're regularly gathering, affirming their faith in Jesus, committing to follow Jesus together, privately and publicly. And it's, as that's happening, we see this idea of them being called the church. These people who are coming together, 
gathering together in light of their commitment to Jesus, the Bible refers to them as the church. You look at outside the Bible, they begin to refer to them, these, these Christians, is when they first start, they, they start being called as the church. Now, what happens, though, is it doesn't stay in Jerusalem. At first, when you think of the church, you just think of this is happening in Jerusalem, so that's the church. But it spreads beyond Jerusalem. Soon, more people begin gathering together and committing to follow Jesus together in other places beyond Jerusalem, like in places in, like called Antioch, other places in the Roman Empire at that time. So Antioch, you see people doing this. We see it happen in Galatia. We see it happen in Corinth. We see it happen in Rome. We see it happen in Ephesus. And soon, what we begin to see is this idea of the church is not just only in Jerusalem. It's in all these cities, in all these places. And that hasn't stopped. We flash forward through the centuries to 2022, and what do we have? Well, we have people gathering together, committing to follow Jesus together at First Street in Roosevelt, the place we call Roosevelt Community Church. A community that we call, I should say, Roosevelt Community Church. We know that there's people who are gathered together to do that in a church near Camelback Mountain called Camelback Bible Church. That's a church that planted this church. We know there's people coming together, committing to follow Jesus together in a neighborhood called Alhambra, called Redemption Alhambra. We know that's happening in uh, a place called uh, Phoenix Bible Church that's located close to Phoenix Christian. That's just here in the valley, of course. Uh, but this is happening all across the country. It's happening all across the world. And this is a continuation of what happened in that first century. So when we think of the church, one of the things we can say from the jump is, in many ways we can think of the church as all Christians everywhere, throughout the world, throughout history, in the Phoenix Valley, all around the world, all throughout the world's history, we can think of the church, what some people call the universal church. But maybe you sense practically what that means. Like we can talk about the church throughout the world, throughout history, but practically speaking, that is expressed in local churches. That the church universal really only is legit, <laughs> only is really carries on as an experience in local places. That from the very beginning, it's people in particular places coming together and saying, we're gonna follow God together. We believe in Jesus together, let's do that together. You know, if you think of the name church, one of the things that's interesting is that that name church points to that itself. The word church, our English word church, comes from a Greek word called ekklesia. And ekklesia is a synonym for like a local synagogue. So if you're familiar with, with Judaism, uh, you know, during, um, during, yeah, during the first century, Jews would gather together in synagogues to learn from the Torah um, and to be taught and to be equipped to follow the Torah together. So this idea of the church comes right from that. It's that understanding right from the very jump that look, we want to be together and follow the word together, and we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that in particular places, in particular ways. That word church speaks to, again, the sense that, yes, there is a church all around the world, all around history, but that is only experienced and known, is only practiced in local places, in particular places. One universal church lived locally, lived personally. So, that tells us maybe historically what we mean by the church, but then what should happen in a church? And, and maybe you're getting a sense of it even from what I just said. I could talk about the church all around the world, all around history, but what actually makes it be a church? Is it just Christians decided, hey, we're going to hang out together? Now, I love hanging out, right? I've had some good hangout times. <laughs> is that all it is? 
Christians hanging out together. Well, no. Christians hanging out together can be a good thing, right? There's some good TV shows we can watch, right? Some, some good uh, board games we can play. There's all sorts of things we can do together. But what makes Christians coming together, the church, is a kind of intentionality behind it and also an intentionality that shows itself in certain practices and habits. That from the very beginning, what happens and what the Bible speaks to is there's things we got to say we're going to do together intentionally and we're going to make sure we do them intentionally. So when I say intentionally, the local church is people who've made that choice to say we will have ongoing relationships with one another. Like, I'm going to know your name, you're going to know my name. You're going to know my kids, you're going to know my spouse, you're going to know my ups, downs. We're going to be in connection with them. There's not going to be random, it's not going to be spur of the moment. Random spur of the moment, God works through all those things. But what makes the church, one of the first most important things is that sense of, I'm willing to raise my hand along with you and say, we will do things together. And the things we'll do together are to follow Jesus together. So that's why in the New Testament, what do we see? We see... Right, again, right from the very beginning, this sense of we're going to come together in relationship together, and to make sure this continues, we're going we're gonna, to, because so we don't have to decide every single week, we'll pick a place and places in public and privately to do this. Uh, we will make sure this happens a particular day of the week, so don't, we're, we're not picking every single week. And very early on, the first day of the week was a central point, but not just that. You also gather throughout the week. So that sense of we're intentionally committed to one another. In many respects, you could say, uh, what we today call church membership was something that was there from the very beginning, that we are members of a particular location, a particular place, a particular gathering of Christians. One of the things that's interesting, if you look at Acts, so Acts chapter 2, verse 31, Acts 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, Apostle Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts, and he says, here's all the Christians who became Christians in Jerusalem and became part of the church. I don't know if you th- think about this, Luke writes the book of Acts many years after those events happened. Right? He's not writing at the same time. He's writing many years after he did what we're told is Luke sort of decided, I'm going to do a history project here because I want to make sure people know how we got to where we are today. So he does research about how the church started years afterwards. And so he lists a very specific number. Where does that number come from? Well, that number came from some type of record or source that said, oh, yeah, here's all the people who believed in Jesus the first time. Here's our list. Here's their names. They had something, right? Something that they used then to, to know, here's the widows in our church to care for, right? Here's, here's, the, here's the people who are poor that we're going to make sure we provide for. All of this speaks to a sense of like, on purpose, I'm going to be in a relationship with you. We're going to be accountable to one another. We're going to be related to one another so that we can do things together with one another. That intentional choice to have lives have lives that intersect with one another, almost like a, like a net, like we are connected. So there's ways in which I can know people and, and sort of just know a little bit about, about you, but there's ways in which I'm actually sort of living with you in a sense. And that's what the church is. But what makes us a church is that sense of we are going to do enough things regularly that say we have lives that intersect with each other. So there's intentionality to it. But then also to make sure that those lives actually intersect and intersect in the direction that points to Jesus, there's what I'm going to call certain habits and practices that we have to do. Things that help us continue to follow Jesus and follow Jesus together. So we're church, not just when we intentionally come together, that's first really, really important, but also when we come together and we do things 
And, and the Bible tells us the things to do. <laughs> what kind of things? Bible reading and teaching. Uh, taking communion together. Worship together. Prayer. Service. Being accountable to one another through church discipline. Baptisms. All these different things are ways that, that bring us together and keep us together pointed toward Jesus. Things that the Lord has given us that grow us in our faith, connect us together in the faith, equip us for doing things in light of our faith. This is a minimum what we need if we're going to start using that word church. Because here's the thing, if we're not intentional about it, as I say, like we're not willing to at least say, yes, we will do these things together in these particular places, in these particular times, in these particular ways. If we're not intentional about it, if we, all those different things I listed, those particular habits and practices, if we, like we start sort of knocking some of them off. Um, sure, we'll, 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 we'll do the same, but not, not as much Bible. Right? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be together, but I won't say anything about whether or not like, there's bad things happening in your life. I, I'll, I'll sort of keep quiet about it. The more of those things that go away, what we'll have, and this has been true over the centuries, is that, well, you'll have people who are together, but it's not just they're no longer the church. They'll no longer be Christians. They'll be something very different. What God has given us is, is almost it's like fuel for the engine. It's, it's like food and water for the body. He's given us ways in which he calls us to come together regularly and do things regularly so that together we can be what God intends us to be his community, his people. So that's the church. That's sort of a way of us understanding the church historically. That's a way of understanding very practically what makes us a church, the things that should happen when we're coming together. But maybe now I want to sort of spend some time thinking about what should it then be like to be the church? What should it be like? What should it, what should it feel like to be the church? And and ask this question and get at something that the Bible does. Because what I did was sort of look through the Bible and say, okay, here's the things that we notice that the Bible says about what it means to be a church. But the thing the Bible, I think the favorite thing the Bible likes to do to help us understand what it is to be a church, to help us feel what it's like to be a church, is to give images and analogies. It gives 96 different images and analogies. 96 to describe this thing, this community of people we call the church. So the Bible talks about the church being like the salt of the earth, uh, the light of the world, uh, being God's temple, um, being the household of God, being God's rock, uh, being, God's, being the bride of Christ. All these different images, 96 different ones. So I'm going to start a sermon series, 96 weeks of each now. <laughs> that could be cool, but I think that, I think that would, I don't know. <laughs> I think we might have another dip in attendance if I did that. <laughs> so we won't do that. However, um, we won't do a 96-week series on each of those images. Um, but I'm going to pick three that I think are especially important for us. Um, especially important today, not just Roosevelt, but just for us to sort of, that I think are used most often to describe what the church should be like and feel like. And the first one is that the church is the body of Christ. So Romans 12 talks about the church being, like one, being basically one body in Jesus Christ. This is Romans 12. We're one body in Christ, individually members of one another. So when you look at the body, you can check out my body right now, it's okay. Uh, you look at the different parts of my body, right, connected together, right? And so there's different parts, right? I'm not just all one part, I'm not one giant thumb, right? That would be horrifying, right? I'm two thumbs, right, and multiple fingers and ears and other things, right? And yet, at the same time, I'm not, those different parts aren't separated from one another. If you saw 
a bunch of different body parts on the ground, you would be, again, it'd be like a horror movie, right? You'd think, what is going on here, right? <laughs> I'm in the wrong place. Those different parts that I just listed are connected together. In fact, they only make sense together. Like, this finger, as great of a finger as it is, as it is makes no sense if I chopped it off and threw it on the ground. It wouldn't work anymore. It only makes sense connected to the other fingers. My head makes sense connected to the rest of my body. It's an intentional image to say that the church is like this because it says something about what the church should be like. A church should be this deep sense of oneness. Of oneness out of diversity. That we are different people with different gifts and different abilities, but that deep sense of oneness and purpose too. My body has a purpose. I don't have one part of my body going one direction, another part going in the other direction. The body together says, Ramon's going to be up here preaching today. <laughs> Ramon's going to be up here holding this Bible, and we're going to work together to make it happen. Some of you are going to take a break. Foot, you're hanging out here. You're not helping out. But these two hands are going to do it, right? But then my feet will kick in when I go to this side. And all of that works together to allow my body to do the things that we're doing. What the Bible is saying, this is the church. All of us, different parts, some of us more up front than others, but they only make sense in connection with each other. In connection with each other to, again, do what? Go in the direction of Jesus. Follow Jesus. What should a church be like? It should be this deep sense of oneness and purpose, even out of the different parts coming together. Another image, another very common image the Bible uses is the church is the household of God or the family of God. First Peter 1 and 3 talks about us having brotherly love for one another. Paul in his letters over and over is referring to us being brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. The church are, are, is a group of people who are, biblically speaking, blood relatives. Jesus shed his blood to bring us together as one family and to have us actually, yes, relate to one another as one family. Like Pastor John likes to say, we're not just like a family, in many respects, we are a family. We literally are a family. Yes, people of different races and ethnicities, people raised in different contexts, people with different jobs, people with different intellectual capacities and physical capacities, people with different preferences. All of that, the Bible says Jesus died on the cross and shed enough blood to make sure that his blood would flow through our veins, flow through our spiritual veins such that I look around and see brothers and sisters, people who are closer to me than even other people who may share the same ethnic background as me, same the same educational background as me, share all sorts of things to me, but what makes us most close to, the, per, the people I'm most close to are the people in this room who said, I follow Jesus with you, Ramon. Because God says that makes us family. One, I mean, the Bible even says like we're almost like a new humanity. That's how fundamentally God has reworked us. So what should a church feel like? It should feel like family. That means this deep sense of relationship, of fellowship, this deep sense of, of unconditional love, right? In any family, there's people like you like, and people are like, oh, okay. But, <laughs> but yet, it's amazing how family works, isn't it? Love guides us and binds us together such that no matter what, we work it out because we're family. We're in fellowship with one another because we're family. The church should feel like family. One of the things I've had a chance to do is be in churches all around the world, all around this country. So I've been in churches in Minneapolis. I've been in churches, I grew up in northern Jersey, so I've been in churches in New Jersey, in churches in New York City, in Harlem. 
Uh, I've been uh, in churches in Honduras. I've been in churches in Haiti. Very different context uh, in, in those different churches. And yet, if you've never had the chance to really sort of go to other churches, um, I'm going to give you permission. Uh, come back, please. But go <laughs> visit some other churches, <laughs> even here in the valley, right? But also around the country, and if you have the chance around the world, and come back and be amazed about how different some of those experiences are, and yet, if there are churches that know and follow Jesus and believe in the gospel, how similar those experiences are. It has been amazing to me. Even in churches where they, I didn't understand the language, and yet there's this deep sense, like, we believe the same stuff. <laughs> like, and and it's, it's funny, like, they have some of the same ups and downs, right? Talk about some of the same things. Have the same, some places, some of the same long announcements, right? <laughs> Some places, same songs. Other places, like they're supporting me. All these different things. How is that possible? Well, spiritually speaking, God has done something to make us one family. One family. That's why I look forward to the day when Jesus comes. Man, that is going to be some family reunion. Like that, no one is going to take eternity. It's going to take a while to get through everyone, right? God has made us a family. What should the church feel like? We know each other, we love each other like family. The last image I think is worth pointing out here is, what should church be like? Well, the church is often described as being the beloved of Christ. Ephesians 5 talks about us being the bride of Christ. And what that means is church should feel like this sense of being uniquely known and loved by God. To be part of a church, intentionally in a commitment to church, is to be in a space where you know that there is someone who knows you and loves you and that will never go away. It's to be in the very heart of God. And, and it's like there's, it's like Fort Knox around there, around you, right? That means you always have purpose and identity. You always have commitment. This is to know someone, to be, to be part of a community where you belong to someone who will never cheat on you, who will never betray you, who will never put do not disturb when you call on him, who will never go away from you. We belong to church, we belong to the community, what God has made us to be is to be in this space where whatever the day feels like when you begin, and you know, we begin our days often like whatever happened the days before, the months and years before, and that affects us in all sorts of different ways. One of the things to know when you're part of a community is to know like I'm part of a community that is known and loved by Jesus, and that matters no matter what I'm about to experience, no matter what I'm about to do. So, if you think about all that we looked at today, I mean, what, what, again, what I'm trying to do is, is reclaim what it is to be the church, and maybe in some ways to kind of to restate, refocus us on what the church, I think I said this in the beginning, can be, should be, and must be. I want you to see that there's the power that we have in this world, the power that the influence the church has is very much in just being the church. It's gotten a little bit twisted these days. It's gotten a little bit twisted. We, we, there's this notion that the power and influence that we're going to have in the world is going to come if we get certain people in office, if we get certain things accomplished socially, if we um, you know, take over certain industries. And, and look, I, I, I'm not, there's things I care about and, and want to see happen right, in our world, things I vote for, et cetera. That's not to dis dismiss those things by any means, but those things happen out of really a way more fundamental and important basis. 
that the significance of the church is when the church is just being the church. In all the ways I just talked about. When the church is being a church in, first of all, in the ways that I talked about last week. When the church is being a church and accomplishing the mission and purpose God has given us. So when the church is the church in proclaiming the gospel, here's the good news about Jesus. And then, yes, doing good in the world, serving the world, especially the poor and vulnerable, the marginalized. When the church is accomplishing its mission in that way, there's its power. There's its influence. Not because, you know, our favorite movies happened. (laughs) Not because oh, this actor became Christian. Praise God, this actor became Christian, right? Very happy about that. But it's way more about to what degree we as a community are saying, here's what it looks like to know and follow Jesus, and we're going to do good things and serve in this world as followers of Jesus, whether you acknowledge us or don't acknowledge us. Like, the accolades don't matter. They don't matter. Nice benefit. Cherry on the top. But that is not the power and influence that we have. The manifold wisdom of God is made known through the church when we are being the church, being the church and accomplishing the mission God has given us. So we have power and influence when we are accomplishing that mission, but then power and influence in the things that we talked about this morning, when we are just in relationship with one another in all the ways I just talked about. You realize the significance of a community of people who are doing normal life things together, but doing them with a sense of love and commitment to each other. When people are in community in a way that shows a mutual commitment to to listen to what God says in the Bible and to say, hey, let's help one another do it. When people are in a relationship with one another where they show a willingness to say, let's hold each other accountable to have healthy marriages. Let's hold each other accountable to raise our children in the right ways, in the ways that honor the Lord. Let's, let's, Let's commit to training one another and equipping one another to do work in this world that is good and right and true. All these things, when we are, again, just doing life, yes, normal life, but doing normal life with this particular sense that we are living life no longer in the ways that we used to, but life in the very throne room of God. Life bound together by Jesus, pointed towards Jesus. There's the power, there's the influence, There's the impact. That is something only the church can do. That's something only this church, Roosevelt Church, can do, and Camelback Church, and Phoenix Bible Church, Redemption of Hamra, and I can list all the churches in the valley. This is something only we are able particularly to do because what we've been given is a love that lasts forever, a commitment that is unbreakable, a love and commitment that comes from the Lord God to bring us together and to keep us together. Clearly, we can only do this because of the Lord. That's why I have confidence we can do this. The Lord will help us. He'll help us because we're only together because the Lord has brought us together. Because Christ has knit us together. He died on the cross to make it possible for people like us to come together, stay together, and go in his direction. That's how it will work. So I'm about to solve all the problems of the American church right now. All right? Here it is. We have all sorts of problems. I'm going to suggest one of the ways we get to unwork ourselves from that problem is by answering one basic question, where is Jesus? Anytime the church gets off skew, I want to suggest out to the world right now and on live stream, here's the first question to ask. Where is Jesus? Let's follow him. If we're following an ideology or a person or anything that is not like Jesus, damn it to the pits of hell. Let's go in the direction of Jesus. 
Here is the question we should ask. Anytime we're wondering, have we gone off course? Are we unsure? Let's ask this question. Okay, where is Jesus? Who is he? Let's follow him. Let's answer that first question. And the second question is, okay, we're following Jesus. Let's listen to what Jesus says and do it. All of what Jesus says. Not our favorite parts, right? There's parts of Jesus. If we know we're going in the direction of Jesus and following Jesus, when as we're listening to Jesus, there's going to be parts like, yes, Jesus, I'm with it. Or, oh, man, Jesus, do I really? (laughs) But I'm going to do it anyway because I said I will follow Jesus because he is Lord and Savior, and I want to do it together with other people. If we say, here is Jesus, we will follow him, and we will listen to all of him, to all of him. And, And because the reality is I will sometimes hear some things and not hear other things I need to do with other people, when I say I'm going to do that with other Christians intentionally, regularly, well, that's what makes us the church. We're committed to Jesus. We will follow him, all of him. And from there, the beauty and the wisdom and the grace and the glory of God will be made known here in downtown Phoenix and throughout this world one day. Let's listen to him. Let's follow him. Lord God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, this opportunity to be together Uh, And to be together in one very important expression of the church, not the only expression, but a central one, intentionally saying, hey, we decided it's worth us coming together regularly in this space that you've given us at this time to hear things about you and to say, we want to follow that direction. So bless this time, bless this moment to help more of us follow in the direction of Jesus. What I pray there's more people following after Jesus than there was before we started this morning. I pray there's more people who are saying, I'm willing to intentionally commit to follow Jesus with other people here in a way that, yes, will challenge me and stretch me, but is worth it. It's been worth it for thousands of years. Lord, may there be more people who are committed to doing that. May there be more people, again, not just here. Lord, this is not a contest, Lord. The church is only the church as local churches are healthy all around this valley and beyond the world. So bless those efforts everywhere they're happening throughout this day. Wherever people have decided they're going to intentionally gather together and say, here is Jesus, let's follow him and listen to all he has to say. Lord, uh, thank you for what you've done to make that possible here in these last 17 years. And because of that, Lord, I'm bold enough to say, make it happen for many more years to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.